Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. This episode was sponsored by the PVS Studio team. It promotes static code analysis methodology in general and its PVS Studio tools in particular. Static code analyzers allow you to find bugs in source code at the development stage. This helps to reduce the price of fixing them. PVS Studio performs code analysis and issues warnings on the fragments of code with a high probability of having bugs and potential vulnerabilities in them. The tool supports C, C++, C Sharp, and Java, and it can work with Visual C++, GCC, Clang compilers, and some of those used for embedded systems. The analyzer works on Windows, Linux, and macOS. PVS Studio can both be used as a standalone tool and integrated with Visual Studio, IntelliJ IDEA, SonarCube, and so forth. In the show notes, you can find links to the PVS Studio website and the article, Technologies Used in the PVS Studio Code Analyzer for Finding Bugs and Potential Vulnerabilities. It's the beginning of a new year and a new decade. This is the very first episode of 2020. Now, where's Barbara Walters? Wait, no, what? <laughs> She's still alive. She's hanging out with Keith Richards. <laughs> yep. In the undying lands. <laughs> Yep. As has become our tradition, we'll be reviewing our predictions for the past year, discussing the ones we got right, the ones we got wrong, and kind of where we came in the middle. Then we'll give our predictions for the coming year. But before we get into all that, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, uh, I've got two things. The first thing is I've been playing with Amazon Lambda. Mm -hmm. Wow. I really love being able to make a JSON file and that is like my system architecture and it's source controlled. Cool. That is the bee's knees. And I know that everybody has been doing this for a while and I'm just now catching up, but that's just like super cool. The other thing is I have a laptop for work and I got fed up with it only being able to drive two of my monitors. And so in a fit of anger the day before Thanksgiving, I went out and bought a 50 inch 4K TV and hooked a little critter up to that. and. I have the same screen real estate, but I have, I'm able to drive all four monitors or all one monitor with four zones. And that is incredible. I should have done this a year ago. You talked about it for a while. So I understand. I know. And it's like 300 and something bucks. Like it was just not, Yeah, I, I shouldn't have put that off. Mm -hmm. So it is super duper nice. And I have a KVM switch coming in hopefully tomorrow. So I can switch between my work laptop and my home machine. And so that's going to be even better. The new job is working great. It's probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. Actually, I know it's one of the best. I don't know for sure if it's the best best, but it's way on up there. Uh, just in terms of the stuff I'm getting to do, the environment, they're just so relaxed. Um, so things are going unbelievably well. It's awesome, man. Yeah. So how about you? Well, I went and saw Ford versus Ferrari this past week. I was really impressed with that movie. You should go see it. It was well made. They even had me on the edge of my seat. Well, it was recliner, so I wasn't on the edge of the seat. I was just twisting up the popcorn bag. Guys, if you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. It was really good. I'm not sure on the historical accuracy. I've been told by a few people that certain things were, were wrong, but any movie based on real-life events does that for drama and stuff. The thing is, it was well-written, well-directed, and well-acted. It was just a good story. It was enjoyable. and it had the things that I like in a movie. So I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Also, I saw it and then I didn't do anything for a couple of days. Like it was like the beginning of my relaxing time. Those are the best movies. I don't know why that is, but yeah, it was just, it was wonderful. So like after Amanda got back from visiting her family for Thanksgiving, she had to come back to work. Uh, and, uh, she came over and we played Mario Kart. She came over. She's like, I know you said you're going to do nothing this weekend and stuff. But you're playing Mario Kart. Get on it. But I figured if I came over and wanted to play video games, because I never want to play video games, you'd be cool with it. I'm like, you want to play Mario Kart with me? 
<laughs> so it's like being being in your twenties again. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, it was it was pretty sweet. I enjoyed it. So um, now this episode's coming out just after the first of the year. Uh, since we're recording early because of you know hectic holiday schedules, we both have. I want to say I'm really excited about New Year's Eve. It's been a while since I've been in a relationship on New Year's Eve. So I don't know why, but just like growing up, you uh, like, I guess TV and movies like really played up the, you know, the New Year's Eve party where you kiss at midnight. I just really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being asleep at 10 o'clock. You would be, old man. (laughs) I don't know where we'll be for new year's eve but i'm hoping to find a 20s themed party just earlier we were talking about uh, a friend of ours and spoke to him last week about yeah know, he'll know where one that. is yeah he told me a couple of places I'm like yeah i'm hoping i can find one here in murfreesboro or i have a few friends that are event planners for different venues and i'm trying to like put the idea in their heads I'm like i should have a roaring 20s party it'd be a lot of fun everybody come dressed up Since New Year's Day is on a Wednesday, we're not having church that night. We're having a New Year's Eve worship night, which is kind of cool. I'm videographer for that service. I love being on the media team. I really do. I'm learning so much. It's just such a great opportunity. And they really just brought me in with like, I did photography back in college, mostly with film. And so learning all the digital stuff, it's very technical, very math. And most of the people that get into photography that I've met are more artistic and less scientific math driven. So it's fun coming in and being like the, oh, that makes sense because of this principle or because of like, this yeah. in physics. And, <laughs> like it's like, I love it because they, they're eating it up because they don't have that same background. It's just like this really great, like they're helping me with my artistic stuff. And I'm talking about, like the the science stuff. And it's just, it's this wonderful thing. I love photography and videography. It's so much fun. I really enjoyed my turkey and everything on Thanksgiving. So I'm uh, going to have to hit the gym between now and Christmas. I'm getting back into running a little bit, trying to kind of work my way up, work down some of the pounds I, uh, I put on during the holidays. But uh, speaking of the gym, I've got something health related for book club. Last week, we had our resolutions episode. Since this is the beginning of the year, I've picked a book that will help many of us with our health goals. It's titled The Healthy Programmer, Get Fit, Feel Better, and Keep Coding by Joe Kuttner. Unhealthy lifestyles lead to pain, injury, loss of work, and potentially early death. As developers, most of us lead rather sedentary lives. This book is geared toward helping us to make small changes to improve our health. It's not about getting six-pack abs or buns of steel. What it is about is simple changes that will improve your health. It's designed for programmers with chapters titled things like bootstrapping your health and agile dieting. The author even uses the word penultimate in the preface. The word nerd in me absolutely loves that. Now, since this is an important topic, we may spend more than one month on the book. I want to kind of give it a try and see how that goes. This has 12 chapters, so one chapter a week would be three months. That may be too much on one book. We'll test it out and see how it goes. And please, you guys, feel free to send us a comment or an email with your feedback, as this is the first time I've given a single book more than one month of time. But you'll find a link to it in the show notes. Who's talking to us? Well, I just want to add, you know, as far as the health thing, I'm really pleased to announce that I do actually have six-pack abs, and they're right under the keg. Um, <laughs> I don't know about the buns of steel. <laughs> not going to go there, but just want to throw that out there as a thing. So we got an email from Eric Jones saying, Hi, I just wanted to say your website's very impressive. You can tell you put a lot of time and effort into it. Thank you. Keep it up. So, Eric. Thanks for the encouragement. We put a lot of effort into designing it and into writing out the show notes each week. There's a lot of things that need to be improved on the site. We're working on them sort of piece by piece. 
but send us an email to waterbottle at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and we're also on Instagram and Tumblr. You can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. This is one of the most fun episodes we record each year. Both Beach and I look forward to reviewing our predictions from the previous year and creating new ones. It's important to stay up to date with the changes in technology and in the world, especially when they involve your particular field. Next year will be even more fun because 2020 will be in hindsight. Yeah, I made that joke again. Ha! Yeah, you did. <laughs> and then I'm like thinking, looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like a Megadeth <laughs> song. That's not good. <laughs> in this episode, we get to have a little fun and make educated guesses as to where we'll be in another year. We'll start by reviewing our predictions from last year. Each of us were pretty accurate in most areas, not so accurate in others. Then we'll get to our predictions for 2020. After we go through our predictions for the year, we're going to do something a little bit different because it's the start of a new decade. We're going to give some long-term predictions for the decade. So my first prediction last year was that there would be an increase in IoT wearables. This is the opposite of my previous year's prediction. While many have been taken off the market, the desire is there and people have become accustomed to their wearables. Security issues are being addressed and companies are rethinking the way they're building devices. Y'all, this was a hit straight on. We've seen many healthcare companies get involved in the wearable technology trend. It's especially useful for conditions that need to be constantly or regularly monitored. I know my grandmother, when she was alive, she had some IoT wearables that hooked into the Wi-Fi and just constantly were transmitting. Also, games are incorporating them. I've seen a resurgence of Pokemon Go with the new Pokemon game coming out on Switch, but people are using that Go Plus when they're out traveling and stuff. Like I had some coworkers that uh, went on vacation to, to Europe and took it with them. And we're just like collecting Pokemon just by walking around different cities in Europe. So yeah, I'm calling this a total hit. My number one prediction was more hysteria from the U.S. in regards to Russia, China, and possibly Saudi Arabia and Iran. Worsening tensions, especially with the current Russia slash Ukraine situation, will probably lead to some nasty economic sanctions from one or more parties. Now, this was easy and it was a direct hit. The fact is, is China, Russia, and Iran are all rising powers and the U.S. is in the way. So this was a pretty easy, you know, this is almost tautological at this point that it was going to happen this way. And it did. So that was a win. I like to throw the easy one out first. Yeah, like I do with uh, with my goals that we uh, talked about last week. So my second prediction was that... Uh, Node.js will start to go out of style. Ryan Dahl, its creator, stopped working on it years ago. JavaScript being a low barrier to entry into the dev world makes it sort of where a lot of people step in. But because of that versatility, it causes limits in functionality. This was a near miss or a not yet. Node.js is still at the top of the JavaScript charts and one of the most downloaded frameworks. While more options exist now, it did take a noticeable downturn in popularity. And some things, like some stuff that we're using WebAssembly, really didn't come out until towards the end of the year. So we just didn't see that. And so I think this is still going to happen, but I might have predicted it a bit early. And speaking of early predictions, my number two prediction was full marijuana legalization in the U.S. I don't partake, but it is less damaging at a societal and personal level than alcohol, and every cash-strapped government in the U.S. is going to see the revenue possibilities. I did suggest buying stock in Doritos and Papa John's. I do think at some point enough states will have legalized it that it will be impossible for governments to pretend that they could police it anyway. This is something popular that representatives can push in the current political environment. Now, We do have a set of elections coming up this year. 
they were not coming up last year, it probably would have been smart to go, hey, they're going to do this during election season, not yeah. the year before. So this was a miss, but it's closer by the day. And, you know, it's just going to take time. It is going to happen. We know that. Everybody knows it, including the people who are resisting it. So it's interesting that you predicted this because I was speaking with some of my classmates walking out to my car. And one of the guys was talking about moving from Colorado to Tennessee. And he's like, one of the biggest things I had to get used to was no dispensaries. Yeah. When I was in Vegas in the spring, the whole place smelled like weed. Yeah. And I don't love that smell, but you know, the thing is, is it is going to change, right? Yeah. Like it's just, it's not as bad as other stuff we allow and it makes it hard to resist making it legal. Yeah. And one of the things that he was saying is that it's, uh, he's like, I was worried I was going to have trouble finding it, but it's all over the place everywhere you go. But he was saying it's all like the, not actual marijuana, but it's like the things that are made from it, like uh, the CBDs and oh, the gummies. Yeah. yeah. And the edibles and like the peripherals. That's kind of, I guess, the right word for it. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to find the actual marijuana, but all the peripherals are easy to find. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, like if you saw like all the vaping stuff, you know, there was that big, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the big health scare that the FDA is pushing. That's because they haven't legalized it. Yeah. You know, people are getting the cartridges with the THC in them and they're also getting all kinds of other additives that are, you know, turn out to burn the inside of the lungs. Yeah. So it's eventually going to hit a point. I don't know if it'll happen in this next year, but dude, it's going to happen. Yeah. Makes sense. So my third prediction was WebAssembly will become the new popular thing as the standards are accepted by more browsers. WebAssembly is a binary instruction format for a stack-based virtual machine. It allows you to compile languages like C Sharp or C++ in the browser and on the server. Before I say this, let me just say, up until now in my graduate career, I've had to work in Java. This past semester, I got to do C++. I really like C++ compared to Java. Yeah, That's really all I want to say. I just like it a lot better. Anyway, I'm calling this a hit. Microsoft rolled out Blazor with .NET Core 3, and that uses WebAssembly to compile C Sharp. And with so many languages using WebAssembly, it's growing in popularity. I do want to point out here that you missed the glorious opportunity to transition from my point number two to talking about Microsoft's Blazor. Um, (laughs) I didn't miss it. I chose not to go that way. Okay, that's fine. That was a choice, not a miss. All right. Fair enough. So my number three was extended data privacy laws. Silicon Valley has ticked off both political parties in the U.S. And I said that I suspected that this year there will be a major privacy breach that will stay in the news for long enough to give lawmakers an excuse. And it is kind of there. There's a whole bunch of little ones. It's not one big one. You know, there have been several breaches. There's all the stuff with the ring doorbell cameras. Oh, yeah. You know, with the feeds being going to the police and they keep it forever. There's a lot of really squirrely stuff going on. California, it does look like, is pushing on this quite a bit. It's looking like they're going to have some privacy laws and those are going to, you know, be in effect if you are going to do business in California, which means they're going to be in effect for the U.S. effectively. So this was a direct hit and it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. So my fourth and final prediction for this year was that we would see real-time universal translator apps on mobile devices. DARPA has been working on them for a while now. Google is able to translate and recognize languages of a website. And I said it'll likely be buggy at first, but we'll see it improve with time until, you know, we're living in a Star Trek world. I'm a Star Trek girl. <laughs> That's exactly where I world. thought you were going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When I originally wrote this, I did not think that. but uh, Yeah, you know. but I saw it and I was like, nah, here's where the mixtape starts. Yeah, you saw me sipping the whiskey. Yeah. So I really, really want an app that I can speak to in Russian and have a conversation with it. Hmm. I'm almost willing to get an Amazon device that I keep in a Faraday cage the rest of the time (laughs) for that purpose. I think it would be really handy for language learning, but 
I feel like that's not completely there, but it is definitely progressing in a hurry. I hadn't thought about that, but honestly, what you just said would be a really great, because you could do chatbot. I've got a friend in Russia that is actually doing a chatbot to help people learn English. Yeah. So you could do it the other way to learn Russian. Right. That makes perfect sense. I like it. Uh, so I'm calling this a hit-ish. Yeah. There are several real-time translator apps out there and some devices, like you can buy a device that will real-time translate several languages. One app that comes closest to a real-time universal translator is the iTranslate Converse. Now, you know, it's got a limited set of languages, but you have to select what you're, you're speaking. What I would like to see is them get to the point where like Google can recognize what language it is. You speak a language and it recognizes it and automatically translates into the language you want to hear. Now, all of these are plagued with the typical mistranslations, lack of idiomatic translation. Yeah. By the way, Google Translate, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. It literal, it's a literal translation. Oh, yeah. And sometimes they don't always pick up on the person talking. Still, we're getting closer to having a universal translator in my pocket. And if I have it in my pocket, then we got our IoT wearables. I can have it in my ear. Eventually, I will get my babblefish. There you go. My number four prediction was that telephone spam will be acted upon by Congress. 85 to 90% of the phone calls I used to get on my cell phone were robocalls uh, with spoofed numbers. Since my grandmother died, that number has gone to like 99%. I've disabled the phone from ringing entirely. It's always on Do Not Disturb. Don't ever call me. Just text me or email me. I know there's good reason to be able to spoof phone numbers. Like that makes sense. Fine. But politicians should have acted on that for a quick win. Now, this was a total miss because I underestimated the ability of the Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives to be as useful as a drum set for ninjas. And unfortunately, they didn't do jack crap about this at all. So that's that. Yeah. That's like a total miss. I mean, like you're looking at it and you're going, there's no way that they're going to sit on this. As many people as are mad about this and as few people as like it, surely. Well, the problem is it's the enforcement of it. Yeah. It's just, of course, I've got like tons of laws on the books that are completely unenforceable, but. Yeah. Well, so why not make some more? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it is the U.S. government. It's yeah. kind of what they do. The other thing too, though, with that, I don't know if you've got this on your Android phone, but on iPhone, it's built into the OS where I can just say, hey, only allow calls from people I know through. And the other ones, it just it immediately sends them to voicemail and then it pops up a notification. Hey, you missed a call. Yeah, I don't have voicemail either because I found that they were filling my voicemail box. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, the last person that had to call me died at the tail end of last September. and. So you know what? I'm just not having voicemail and I'm just not taking calls. Yeah. That's the end. That makes sense. I think the only time I've ever called you was like when we were doing something and it was trying to coordinate where we were meeting at the Renaissance Festival or something, you know, things yeah, like that. Well, and, and three quarters of the calls from either of us to the other of us is a butt dial. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of butt dials, let's get on with our... <laughs> Predictions for next year. <laughs> I like it. That was good. That was good. So since we're talking about uh, talking on the phone, my first prediction is that uh, we will see electronic trucks from major American manufacturers, such as Ford and Chevy. Tesla broke ground with the Cybertruck this year. While aesthetically, it leaves much to be desired. Doesn't it look like a Jawa sandcrawler kind of? Isn't that the one? It looks like a low-res racing car from a early 90s video game. Oh, that bad, huh? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a lot of memes about that. Um, the fact, though, is that they did build it, and it shows that it's possible to have an electronic truck with towing capacity, like that low-end torque. They have a good idea. They just... I don't know what they were thinking with the design, like the body shape and style with that. It's just, what? 
Yeah. Like, There's expectations now, you know? Yeah. It's like, I get that Tesla is like, well, we're, we're different. We're for like more unique people, but come on, you guys are breaking ground in something. If you make it look and feel like a gas powered truck, people are going to want to buy it. You're not going to find a lot of truck drivers that want a unique, weird looking car. Right. Like look at your market of truck drivers that have a Mac and see that it is small and barren and there are none and then make your marketing and design decisions based upon facts. Yeah. Yeah. So my first prediction for 2020 is that generational tensions will continue to get worse. Boomers are going to continue to trash talk millennials and millennials will basically okay boomer them back. Gen X will sit here with our arms crossed complaining about how nobody pays attention to us while Gen Z eats into traffic. It's going to get uglier as more boomers retire because government expenditures are going to go towards healthcare for the elderly while people in the workforce struggle. Millennials and post-millennials will resent this and probably Gen X, but we resent everybody, so it's fine. And it's going to become politically more and more apparent, uh, probably getting some focus in political campaigns in 2020. Yeah, I do find it funny when people complain about millennials. And I'm like, you know, I know millennials that have children in high school. Yeah. They're not as young as you think. Yeah. And they just kind of landed in a bad and, you know, market, you know, for, for jobs and everything. I mean, they got out into a recession that really never ended. Mm-hmm. And the oxycodone epidemic killed a lot of them. And yeah, it's a dumpster fire. And they're, you know, they're reacting to that. Yeah, I mean, they they have. And I'm curious to see as Gen Z or post-millennial, as you called them, as they grow up, you know, because they're, they're in high school now. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to start seeing them come out of high school and get into the workforce, get into politics and stuff. And I'm curious to see where they are, because unless another big one comes along, like it's almost like. If you think of the greatest generation as the the parent generation, boomers were the firstborn child. They had like they had all the firstborn child issues. Millennials are the baby. They had all the baby issues. Gen X, we're the middle child. We're the ignored group. Yeah. We just do our own thing. Nobody pays any attention to us. Yeah. It'll be interesting. We had a few years of stuff. We had, you know, the Breakfast Club era, you know. I know, and I miss the nineties. Like I really do. Saturday Night Live was funny. We felt like the country was safe. We felt like we won all the rising tensions with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. It was like we were sitting at the end of history for a decade. Yeah. And then history came back. Yeah. That makes sense. Speaking about history, my second prediction for this year is there will be a rise in the number of non-developers learning some of the basics of programming to write and work in low-code applications. There are a lot of enterprise-level automation platforms that allow non-developers to create applications with little coding involved. For example, the application, the service that I am building is replacing a console app that was written by a business analyst who learned just enough code to solve one problem And then when they tried to expand it, they realized, hey, this was not written by a developer with, you know, scalability in mind. This was written by a business analyst who was trying to solve a specific problem at a specific time. For not having a degree or having any experience in coding, the guy did an amazing job. Yeah, it's almost the same dynamic that we saw like in the 90s as people embraced Excel and all the macros and the formulas and all that stuff. I mean, you got business people that run their entire operation out of spreadsheets Yes. as a result. And we're going to see the same things with automation with like IFTTT, Zapier, Mm -hmm. possibly even like some lightweight Lambda type stuff. There's a lot of different apps that are now very good at integrating with everything else. Well, there's even Microsoft has come out with some automation stuff for dealing with like data. Azure. Well, not no, not for Azure, for dealing with like data and internal stuff. Yeah. So it's it's like low code applications that someone without a lot of coding experience can go in and just kind of set up these things. What's going to happen is 
your developers are going to probably move more into like a maintenance and feature addition. So like they'll be given this and like, all right, now we really want it to do this. And so then like they've had this thing for years and they've got this huge amount of data for it. And we're like, we want to do something with it. So the developer comes in to do that or they have to maintain it. Yeah. I mean, one market that I've found or one strategy I've found that I think is really interesting is calling people at a company or in a industry and going, what are you using a spreadsheet for? Yeah. Because that's the thing that becomes the next thing. It's a thing that it's already proven its value. So if we extend it, it's easier to make that sale. And you're going to see the same thing with all these automations in the next 10 years. It's the same kind of dynamic that I had early in my career with taking access databases and upscaling them to make SQL databases and make web workflows and those kind of things. It's you have somebody that's unskilled in development building something and they make the proof of concept and they make the business stuff work. And then once it works well enough, you get paid to extend it. So my number two prediction in the gloom and doom, I did look at how negative all these are. Sorry. First two are negative for me. Things are going to get worse slash more interesting on the U.S. southern border and south into Mexico. Um, We've already seen an incident where the drug cartels outgunned the Mexican army. It's going to happen again, and it's going to spill into the U.S. Now, that's not to make a statement in regards to politics in either direction. It's just, hey, this is a thing that's going on. Because the politics gets really, really complex, and it's very hard in a complex system like that to say, oh, well, we just do this one thing and it fixes it. Mexico's got a lot of stuff going on. The U.S. has got a lot of stuff going on, and you can't push one button to make that stop. Yeah. And so it's going to continue. So my third prediction is uh, major trucking and shipping companies will start implementing autonomous vehicles for long distance shipping, as in across state lines. Now, this may sound negative for truck drivers, but they're not likely to be out of jobs yet, though they will likely have to learn to work with their technology. Not all states are going to be on board with autonomous trucking. So for now, I'm predicting we'll see a blend as the cost goes down on create on like building and purchasing autonomous vehicles and companies start to move in that direction. Yeah. I mean, it's coming, right? Yeah. We have a lot of very large states out West, tons of territory, not a lot of people getting a truck across that is extremely boring for the driver. Mm -hmm. Autonomous vehicles are going to help there. There's going to be a leverage point. Now I will say on the border between like say Tennessee and North Carolina or going through Colorado Probably not going to happen anytime real soon. Yeah. Right. Like you need topology that supports that, but we have a lot of that out West. And so I expect that to happen. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a trend is what I'm predicting. Yeah. My number three prediction, speaking of trends, is that more people will be able to push for remote work, mm-hmm. more flexible working hours, and better compensation in the US IT market. There's a lot of bigger companies that are really bad about making potential hires jump through a lot of hoops to get a job. I went through this not all that long ago. A lot of the more ridiculous interviewing practices, such as whiteboards and those kind of things, are going to start hitting their natural limits very soon. The big companies are still doing this. The small, more agile companies are going to jump out and they're going to get those developers instead and they're going to be able to leverage that. So the big companies are, are going to get nailed by this. The market is going to be still very strong for senior developers, but it may get a bit soft for mid-level and junior developers because the coding schools have kind of saturated a lot of the environments, although not as many as you'd think. Well, the thing is, it's always hard for junior developers because there's there's not as much need for them. Yeah. And if you can get in and stick with it long enough to get to that senior point, I remember when I got promoted, one of my friends at work said, well, you know, now that you've reached this level, you're never going to worry about finding a job. Yeah. I remember like he's younger than us. And I'm like, I remember I was in medicine in the time, but I remember the recession. And I'm like, eh, probably not because I'll stay with the state. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. We're like, we've reached that level now where it's like, all right, we're in that advanced senior developer level where it's like the next job is going to be like, we're going to be competing against a lot fewer people. Yeah. 
I mean, I will say that, although the thing with senior devs is that your wages stagnate if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we get nailed. We don't get nailed by not getting a job. We get nailed by a job that doesn't meet our expenses or that doesn't increase our income at the rate of inflation. Right. I mean, I've kind of got the silver handcuffs now because of all the stuff I get through the state with all the benefits and whatnot. So I understand that. My fourth prediction is kind of a fun one. And it's that the world of augmented and virtual reality will blend even more with wearable technology to create immersive experiences. Like we've already seen VR arcades where all the games are virtual or augmented reality. We may not have full on haptic suits for gaming, but we're going to see the use of wearables and AR and VR becoming popularized throughout the next year. I think we're going to see some things coming down the pike that are really going to make an immersive experience possible. There's already some stuff with uh, some of the different AR technologies for playing Minecraft and stuff with AR. But I think we're going to get tactile and other sensations involved in there. I agree with that. You know Will agrees because he doesn't have anything else to say about it. Yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, that's totally coming. Mm-hmm. If you go to the Microsoft store in the mall, you can see it. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't really see it you know, a year ago, but it's definitely there now. My number four prediction is a downturn in coding schools is going to happen. This means closings, shrinkage, you know, whatever. There are a couple of things going on here that I think are economic that are going to be a, a problem for coding schools. For one, the staff at a coding school has a set of skills that make it where their salaries are very high, potentially, right? So they learn and they teach at the school and all of a sudden they go get a job as a mid-level developer because they've been teaching other developers for you know two or three years. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so salaries are high. Well, students coming into the school don't make a lot of money, right? And so the amount that you can make at the school is limited. And so those two things are going to compress your margins. And I think that plus the difficulty of placing junior devs in some of the markets that are out there is probably going to shrink the number of coding schools out there. Now, I think a lot of them are going to still make it. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a weird time for them. And I think they're going to have to readjust and possibly doing stuff like training mid-level developers in new technologies or training senior devs even. They're going to have to broaden their horizons a little bit so that they can get at money that they aren't getting at right now. You know, I can see this if they don't get student loans. Yeah, if they get student loans, all bets are off and the the cost of going to a, to a coding school is going to go through the roof, just like college. If they can get government-funded, or I should say government-backed, student loans, because I know they're pushing for it. Yeah. If they can get that, then I disagree with you. Yeah, I disagree with me at that point too, because once that hits, all bets are off, right? Like once you can't discharge the debt and bankruptcy, the natural cap on how much you can spend is gone. Yeah. Because you just have a slave for life. The other thing is, I think... We're in a specific market that is that doesn't have a lot of junior roles, but I think other markets do. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of iffy on this one, man. I don't think we're going to see a downturn in coding schools. I think it's going to be more that coding schools are going to offer more. Like you said at the, at the end they're of They're going to get squeezed about. and they're going to get forced to do more. Like, I don't think yeah. they're going to go away by any stretch of the imagination, but they are going to have to expand. Just because there's other money out there and the incoming supply of junior devs is going to get squeezed or potentially go to other places. Yeah. Which is interesting because this leads right into my prediction for the decade. So we each have one prediction for the twenties decade. And mine is that the industry is going to change to where the majority of programming is a blue collar job. I agree. With coding boot camps and software schools proliferating. We're going to see programming becoming a technical skill. I, mean, I don't know if you remember if you had it in your high school. I think you did because you went to public school, but you had two paths. You had the college path and the tech path. Yeah, there's like the tech path was like you were going into like welder or like a, a skilled labor position. Farming. 
We had a little yeah, bit more of that where figures, I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. We had more like welder. Like there was a class where I could learn to raise tilapia. Yeah. That I wanted to take. My parents were like, no. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like I raised fish in high school, but they were like, mm. you're not doing that. Yeah. Also, a lot of apps and websites can be built by assembling pre-built parts. That's what we do half the time now. And also, again, not to get too political on this, but I've also seen there's a major push in some areas for developers, especially at larger corporations, to unionize. You don't see unions in white-collar positions. Right. And I do think that it is definitely coming for tech. Just some of the companies I have worked for and Mm -hmm. that I have interviewed at, there is a tendency to really mistreat a lot of the workers, honestly, especially like the H-1Bs get it real bad. But, Mm -hmm. you know, even the uh, native workers are catching it as well, where it's like, hey, work 80 hours a week and we're going to sit you in a crappy chair at a desk that hurts you. Oh, and we're not going to give you any medical benefits. And it's like, yeah, all it takes really for a union to pop up there is to not be able to outsource the work. Like as soon as you lose the threat of being able to send the work overseas, you're going to get a union out of that because that's where unions grow. And I'm not saying that unions are a bad thing. This whole thing is going to help lower the barrier to entry and make it easier to get a job as a junior developer. Yeah, I think the other thing too is like categorizing stuff as a bad thing or a good thing is probably not where we want to be on this, right? Yeah, no. It's just a thing. Yeah, this is just something I see. It's a trend I have seen the last few years that I see continuing on. And I just see this going this direction. The thing is, I see those with degrees in computer science doing less and less of your day-to-day line of business coding. You have more boot camp graduates and things doing that. And those are really good paying jobs. Yeah. That's what Will and I do right now. And the harder stuff can be handled by those CS grads, right? Like the stuff that's like, you know, some of the machine learning stuff, some of the really performance critical stuff or security Mm -hmm. critical stuff. Like there's a lot of boilerplate that people could do for a good salary that isn't like dealing with abstract syntax trees or dealing with linear algebra crap mixed into the code and it's totally fine. Like it's the difference between a electrician and electrical engineer. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I almost want to see this happen because, you know, I look at it and like, we have a couple of different friends who we met in college or around that time that we were like, dudes, y'all should go to like a technical school, like learn plumbing, learn something else. Cause college is not your thing. Yeah. But when we were in school, we were kind of the tail end of the mentality. You get a college degree, you got a job, guaranteed. Right. And we have friends that are screwed for life because they believe that. Yeah. You know, and if they got a job where they could just work and build things and, you know, kind of plug and play assembly of things, man, they could make a life for themselves that, you know, their grandparents had, but their parents didn't. Yeah. I really think there's so much potential there. And if everybody can automate stuff, like how long does the 40 hour work week, you know, or the 80 hour work week for that matter, how long does that hang on when your employees can automate things? Like at some point you can't get enough people to even screw that up. Like you have to go, Hey, we're going to have a 20 hour work week. Yeah. I think it could happen. I agree. I agree. Because the thing we can't do is we can't add more useless people to or more useless processes to things like we've overloaded everything with that. Right. So like the only other way that we can really fix the economic situation is we can go, hey, people work less and they produce the same value. And we're not going to have a bunch of people that just kind of act as parasites on that. Like they're going to be providing value too. Yeah. We all win when that happens. So I have zero problem with that. I really think it should. I think I would like to see it it taught in high schools. I took three years of programming in high school. Yeah. And one of my coworkers goes or goes to good grief. Wow. He's not that young. He went to the same high school I did. He graduated like more than a decade later than me. But we went to the same high school and he was telling me about the classes they have. And like when I was there, I took QBasic, Turbo Pascal, and C. And they also offered Visual Basic, but it was 
my senior year, they switched it up and it was either C++ or VB and I chose C++. Great decision because I've worked with some VB and I love C++. Yeah, in comparison say. now, I liked VB back in the day. Yeah, just going to say, you know, I would go out and learn more for a job doing C++. I enjoy it that much. I would not do that for Visual Basic. You might be surprised. Yeah. A lot of the component-based stuff, like once you got into it, mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It just, the tutorials, yeah. No, see, I haven't done tutorials. I've had to go in and bug fix and deal with maintenance issues in VB. Oh, yeah. VB. Like we had a bunch of developers that switched to VB from Delphi and you know AS400 stuff and, and all that. Yeah. And the maintainability was not good. But if you built your own stuff, it wasn't bad. It was a really good platform huh. for its time. Like I said, what I had to deal with was not yeah. the best. Not the worst code I've ever seen, but definitely not the best. And I don't know, I like C-based languages, so. Yeah, and I do too, because it, it fits more with kind of how I think. Yeah, me too. I just work better with them. Anyway, that's a bit off topic there, but I could see programming being a blend of the college and the tech paths in high school. Yeah, I could too, because those things really shouldn't have split. Yeah entirely right like like let's say you got a farmer right and you're like oh by the way as an aside every time i hear the phrase big pharma i think of arnold schwarzenegger yelling at a large person getting off of a tractor hey big pharma (laughs) but anyway oh man (laughs) every you know like you think of about a farmer like how much chemistry and how much biology is in that job for it to work. Mm-hmm. And we treat that like it's a separate thing. And there's kind of this mindset that that is separate and less than the college educated side. It's like, no, that guy applies it. Yeah. That's higher. I hate to tell you that, but it is. There's just a whole mentality there that we have to get over. And I think we're close to being able to. Yeah. So, you know, we're doing decade predictions, obviously. My prediction for the next decade is that big tech is going to get the daylights slapped out of it. It's going to get broken up or it's going to get completely in control, which is you know kind of an outside possibility. There is a lot of power that is wielded by very, very few people. We saw the stepping back of some of the Google, you know, the guys that started Google, mm-hmm. which is interesting because then they don't have to report their stock trades as insider trades and it's not public knowledge that's the rats leaving the ship but basically you've got a lot of people with a lot of power that are wielding it in ways that make people angry and at that point like when you have that much power any way that you wield it makes a large number of people angry yeah something is going to happen politically that is going to show these companies to be monsters we're already seeing some of that with conditions in amazon warehouses. We're seeing this with some of the things that Google is partnering with. I haven't seen a whole lot out of Microsoft, but you know it's coming. Apple with all the manufacturing stuff that's going on. We're going to see this with these big tech companies. And the thing about it is it doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong. What matters is that they create the optics that create the rope that lets them hang themselves. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have a politician see this stuff take advantage of it, and they're going to break those companies up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going ahead and predicting that that is going to happen in the next 10 years, or we aren't going to have governments anymore. We're going to have corporations only. Oh, like uh, dark matter. Right, because they're at a point where they have enough power that they are challenging the government. So one of the two wins. Yeah, I got to say, I um, I miss that show. I hate that they canceled it after season three, but... uh... Yeah, the corporations had pretty much taken over and like there were nominal governments, but they kind of kept the peace and dealt with petty crimes. The corporations dealt with the big stuff. Yeah. The corporations owned planets in that show. Yeah. That was the thing. So, yeah, I can get behind that. That makes It's going to come to a head, right? Like yeah, it's just a power dynamic. What you're saying is something is going to happen and I can totally follow that. So, guys, we hit most of our predictions from last year, mainly because we kind of saw the handwriting on the wall in several places. Uh, We missed a few. That happens. Some of them were, we thought we were too early. Some of them were, hey, you know, the stuff we thought was going to happen went a different way. Yeah. And if we got, if we were so good at predicting things, we would get 
paid a lot more to predict things. Yes. So no here's Stradamus, your free psychic uh, reading. We are not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Beej is Miss Cleo. He's going to drop the uh, Jamaican accent on you and tell you about your future. And uh, No, I'm not going to do that. That is not going to happen, y'all. Don't worry about it. I'm not doing that. Also, we've been keeping up with the industry. Doing this will help you to better predict when to make moves in your career or when to stay in place. Watch the industry. Watch what's going on. And you can see these things coming. You can see trends. When you're in a good place at your job, continue to watch what's going on in the market because you'll notice, hey, these certain things are happening and then suddenly jobs dry up. Yeah. And you've got one you're happy with. Then when you decide to start looking, if those kind of things are going on, maybe you ought to stick around where you're at. Or if they're not, if other things are happening that show signs that jobs are opening up, this might be a time to make a move. If you pay attention to the industry and just keep keep your eye on it, watch what's going on, you'll start to see these sorts of things. You'll start to see trends throughout it. So that pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just want to throw out that you know we gave some decidedly negative predictions in a few areas, and I don't want you to take them as negative. It sounds negative. Lots of stuff was negative. The thing about any kind of chaotic phenomena, when things go sideways, somebody makes a living off of that, right? There is always opportunity in negative things and in chaos and in those kind of things. So if you have a mindset that says, I'm going to adapt to the environment such that I'm in a position where I control the most resources, most energy, the most other people, then you win. It doesn't matter that it's negative. If you look at what Napoleon did, basically after everything went to crap in France, okay, you have this guy that shows up and takes control of the whole country. Yes, the ecosystem of the environment there was very, very negative, but it was not negative for Napoleon because he showed up and he handled it. He treated chaos as a opportunity. You know, there's this speech from Game of Thrones, you know, from Littlefinger, you know, chaos is a ladder. It's not a pit. Be willing to climb because there are a lot of very interesting things that are fixing to happen to us in the next 10 years. It's been true of every decade since the beginning. It's going to be true of every decade till the end. You can only react to what happens and try to anticipate it and try to position yourself so that you come to a position of advantage. You cannot sit there and be like, oh, this is negative. The world's falling down and I'm going to go sit in a corner and eat wet cigarettes in the dark until I die. Have a worldview that allows you to take advantage of opportunities and you'll be fine. That's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.